Well, hello again. God bless. Welcome again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. Today, we are going to go ahead and continue on in our discussion through the book of 1 Corinthians. So, if you've come upon this video, you've come upon this audio, and you're in a position where you can do so, go ahead and find your Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we'll just go ahead and see how far we can read through it, probably read through the whole chapter here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So the Apostle Paul, just if you're joining in new or you don't know this, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in the city of Corinth. Now, this was a church in the city that was made up of all the believers in that city, the believers in Jesus Christ, those that have been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were going through many different things, and they were learning many different things. Now, let me just comment, comment on that real quickly. You see, when you come to Christ, there's much to learn, so much to learn. We are to continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are, continue, we are to continue as Christians to be more and more like Christ in the way that we live our lives on a daily basis, um, more and more surrendered to him. Okay, so these Corinthians needed some guidance and some direction as we do today. And one thing that they had in their lives was the Apostle Paul, who was chosen specifically by Jesus to go and to preach to the Jews and to the Gentiles and to kings and such. He was, he was going to spend the rest of his life preaching the gospel to people. And establishing churches like the one that is has been established here in the city of Cornrith. And he was also setting up elders and such in those cities and making sure that the people were taken care of as believers and making sure that they were living in a righteous manner, living in a proper proper manner. And that's what Paul's been teaching them. Now, you know. Paul being a man and, and with Paul's background, um, he ran into some problems and they were questioning him. Pe certain people were questioning his authority and what authority he had or, you know, in their lives, okay? So we're going to read here and we'll, we'll kind of get the gist of that as we go on here. In verse one, the apostle Paul says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Well, the answer to all of this is yes, right? He's free, Christ. Uh, he who the Son sets free, who, he who Jesus sets free is free indeed. Paul indeed was an apostle. He was chosen directly. The word apostle means one who is sent. Paul was chosen directly by Jesus, seeing Jesus and everything, and he says, and he says at the end of verse one, "Are you not my work in the Lord?" So these are a lot of kind of, I guess you could call them rhetorical questions, right? Paul's like, "Really? Are you questioning me here on something?" He says, "If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, 
for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In other words, he was directly involved in their life in bringing them the gospel message and they received it from him. So he had that role in his life. He had that position in his life where he brought them to Christ, told them about Christ, and he had the ability by the power and the authority of Christ, he was sent out as an apostle to continue to speak to them. So again, somehow he's being questioning, questioned here, but he says, my defense to those who examine me is this. Then in verse four, he says, do we have no right to eat and drink? Remember when he says there earlier in verse one, am I not free, right? So apparently they were, evidently they were questioning him about certain things in his life. Uh, maybe what he was eating or what he was drinking or that he was, you know, spending time, maybe taking a break or relaxing or doing this from time to time. And he says, do we know, do we have no right to take along a believing wife as do also, excuse me, the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, Cephas is Peter. So he's saying, hey, look, you know, now, those guys were ministering to the Jews. Paul was going to the Gentiles. Um, you can read about that in the book of Acts. But again, Paul was sent to the Jews and the Gentiles and to, you know, to everybody. But you know, he had a specific ministry to the Gentiles. And uh, he's saying, hey, look, look at the other apostles. Look what they're doing. Do they have some privilege that we don't? Are we not free? In Christ, are we not, you know, your apostles? So in verse six, he says, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So there you go. Like I said, the relaxation part, you know. Uh, so Paul was being put under a microscope and Barnabas for the work that they were doing in Christ. And Paul wouldn't, he, he didn't want to deal with that. He would have none of that, you know. So he, he knew who he was in Christ. He knew what his calling was. And that's what he was doing. He was working in that direction. He says in verse seven, he says, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. So he's asking these questions, right? Don't I have a right to live here? You act like, you know, maybe they were examining every little thing he did, maybe the way uh, he was spending his money or maybe what, you know, people were providing for him food and such like that. You get that today still, too. You know, it, it's funny how um, people are willing today, you know, to have a plumber come in their house and fix something and say, oh, Oh, well, that's what he's charging me. That's what I got to pay. You know, you know, they'll do anything to fix the plumbing, to fix the air conditioning, to fix this or that around the house or whatever it may be. But when it comes to spiritual matters, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, I believe, in this chapter, when it comes to spiritual matters, you know, people say, hmm, should I really give there? Should I really do that? Should I really help that ministry? Should I really help that pastor in what he's doing? And, you know, da da da, da you know, whatever, you know? Um, but he says, you know, who goes to war at their own expense? 
And he says, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? In other words, he's planting into the lives of these people, and we'll read about that a little bit more here, but he's planting into the lives of these people something, and he should reap something in return. He's saying, this is common sense, people. Like I said, you're willing to pay a plumber. You're willing to pay an electrician. You're willing to get your AC fixed. You're willing to pay a contractor to come in and remodel your home. Well, if you're getting spiritual benefit from something, somebody that is called by the Lord, as was the case with Paul here, to do what he does, they shouldn't have been questioning him on this. Okay? He goes on um, in verse 8, Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? So now he's pointing them back to, look, this was written long before me. This was was established long before me. I'm not making this stuff up as a mere man. This This is God's will, okay? He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? So think about that. Paul's like, come on. (laughs) You think God really cares about the oxen? You you think that that's what he's talking about? When he says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain? In other words, if Paul was laboring on behalf of the Lord, fighting this fight, he even uses the word who goes to war there earlier in this chapter because it was a battle for him. He was being persecuted, stoned and beaten. And, you know, he went through tons of stuff, as did the other apostles. They were going to war. There is a spiritual war that needs to be fought. This is why I take the time to do this, to point you to the Word of God and hope that you'll come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because there's a battle spiritually for who you are. There's a a battle for your soul and for your eternity. And the devil, Satan, he wants to blind your eyes from receiving the gospel so that he can have you. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to your lost condition as it relates to who you are spiritually and your eternity. So here Paul's saying, you know, I'm doing this work. I have a right to eat. I have a right to drink. I have the right for you to to give to me too. Paul's saying that, not me. Paul's saying that here, but Paul also in another place will say, you know, I work. I work with my own hands because he didn't want to put up with this. He didn't want to, put up with the whole thing of, oh, well, you owe me something, like a hireling, you know? A lot of people want to go out and get a pastor at their church or whatever, and they want him to be a hireling. They want him to do whatever, to be at their beck and call, whatever benefits them, you know? As opposed to letting that man be someone that feeds them spiritually, points them in the word of God, rebukes them when necessary, Uh, corrects them and instructs them in accordance with the word of God when necessary. Look, I'm not talking about no cult leader out there that gets into your life and says, show me your checkbook. Show me what you got in your refrigerator. How much did you pay for that car? 
all of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about a true man of God that wants to teach spiritual things. And that's what the apostle Paul says here. Go ahead, let's, let's go ahead and move on. Um, well, let me read uh, verse 10. Or does he say it all together for our sakes? In other words, going back to what he said, is he talking about oxen? Is God talking about oxen here? Or is he saying it for our sakes? He answers the question. He says, for our sakes, no doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. So he's talking about, again, that man like himself that's going out and fighting a spiritual battle, putting out spiritual food, feeding people what is proper, proper nutrition, and that is the word of God and the word of God only, not a man's opinion, but what the word of God says and when he does that, he should have some hope that he's going to be taken care of as well as he goes through this battle, as he has this calling in his life, <clears throat> excuse me, for these specific people. And he goes on in verse 11, if we have sown spiritual things for you, uh, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? See, that's what we've been talking about here. Paul's saying, look, I'm planting in your life something. I'm planting a vineyard. I'm planting something that's going to grow, something that has eternal value, something that's going to benefit you for all eternity. That's what I'm doing. I'm sowing those seeds, spiritual seeds in your life. And you got a problem with helping with material things that the Apostle Paul might need? Again, just an example of a man of God and what the people of God should do in this case, right? He says, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? He's talking, when he says we, him and Barnabas at this point, right? Are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. In other words, like I said earlier, Paul didn't want to put any problems out there. He's like, look, if this is going to be a stumbling block to these people, forget about it, you know? And uh, so he had to endure all things. That's, it was a struggle for him. Yeah, sometimes there, there are many people out there in the world that are maybe missionaries, maybe pastors that are doing things, trying to, to, to see people grow spiritually, and they're not getting on television, and they're not getting on the radio, and they're not some big name, and they don't have some big following because they're probably saying, speaking more truth than those others are, and they're probably willing to correct and rebuke and instruct in righteousness, use the word of God to do that. So they don't have a following and they're struggling. They have to endure. But we are to continue on in the preaching of the gospel of Christ, okay? In verse 13, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the, of the offerings of the altar? In other words, he's talking about the temple and the law, the Jews of that day and what they did and all that. And he's saying, look, they, they weren't starving people. They were getting some type of reward for what they were doing, okay? Verse 14, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. He's getting right 
to that point there. Those that preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Again, it's amazing how even amongst Christians, you'll say, oh, well, the plumber came to my house and he fixed it. He deserved me to pay him. The electrician came, he deserved to be paid. And a lot of people will take even the scripture and say a workman is worthy of his hire. I've been around people that have done this and they apply it to drywallers and framers and plumbers and electricians and all that. But it's not even speaking of that. This is speaking of those that are sowing spiritual things into people's people's lives. And Paul says, that the Lord has commanded that those that preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Now, look, I'm with Paul in the sense that I work for my living. I have something I do. I don't need, you know, I don't care to be funded by anyone else, you know, whatever. But it's a sad thing when someone that is called to preach the gospel, someone that has a calling to do it, cannot devote their their time to it. If you think back in uh, the book of Acts, I'm forgetting the chapters right now, the chapter that I'm thinking of. But anyway, you know, the apostles and all that were saying, you know, it's not good for us to wait tables. You know, so they they established, they put in place other people to take care of things. Because why? Because they wanted to continually minister the word of God. And this is what we need. Do you realize that only the word of God will change this world? Because it, in order to change the world, you've got to change the souls of men and women. And people need to be born again of the spirit, led by the spirit. Why? What will happen when people are born again? of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you know what you'll see in this world? Love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, gentleness, self-control, right? But yet, look at the world around us, right? And that's why they need Jesus. Look what they're doing. Look at all the crime. Look at everything going on. People are bloodthirsty. People will fight for their right to kill, to murder, you know, to do whatever. Fight for their right to have money or whatever it may be because they're lost souls. And the only thing that will change them is the word of God. And people need to be ready to preach the word of God. And when there's someone that is You, and I'm speaking to a born-again Christian when I say this, I'm not talking to you who hasn't come to the Lord, hasn't, don't believe in the Lord at all, or whatever the case may be, but I'm talking to you that have been born again of the Spirit. You should be supporting the spreading of the gospel, and you should know what the gospel is before you go supporting someone who just says they're spreading the gospel and they're spreading some materialism type gospel or prosperity type gospel or something like that. Okay, you need to read the word of God yourself, be informed, be filled with the spirit, led by the spirit, and support those that are truly preaching the word of God. Okay, so let's go on here. Um, He says in verse 15, but I, so verse 14 there again, he said that the Lord commanded that those that preach the gospel should live from the gospel, right? And then in verse 15, but I have used none of these things, 
nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me. You see what happens is a lot of times when a guy like me, even in Paul saying here, I'm not writing this so that you'll, you know, that you'll give to me. And what happens is a lot of times when a guy like me who don't ask for money at all gets up here and talks about it, there are people out there like say, oh, he's trying to get money. No, don't do it, Paul's saying. Paul's like, no, I'm not using it. Not. It's not about that. I have written these things that I, I have, or he says, nor have I written these things that it should be done for me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For I preach the gospel. You see, that's what Paul boasted about. He didn't boast about the yacht he had, the Mercedes he drives, and I know these things didn't exist. I'm just saying, he didn't boast about material things. He didn't wear some fancy, expensive clothing. He didn't do all of that. He boasted about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he said in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Right? You see, that's what, again, that's what the world needs. And that's what needs to be preached, right? For I preach the gospel. He says, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. In other words, I need to be, I mean, this is on me, this is in me, everything about me is preaching the gospel. He says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He can't even imagine it. He's like, I'd rather die. You know, this ain't about money. I don't care about having things or fame or fortune from ministry. This is about souls. This is about lost people going separated from God for all eternity because they're not hearing the gospel. They're not being told you need to repent. You need to come to faith in Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And this is all the work of the Holy Spirit in someone else's life, right? Um, he says, uh, verse 17, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I, haven't been, been, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. See, if he says, he says, you know, I'm doing this willingly and I have a reward. You know, he's not doing it begrudgingly. He's not going to sit around saying, oh, look, no one's, you know, no one's supporting me. Oh, no one's supplying for my needs. I'm just going to quit. I give up. You know, there are people out there and look, I, it's sad to say this, but it's true. There, there, there are, there are denominations out there and non-denominations out there that will tell pastors, well, if you don't have like a certain number of people, whatever the number may be, well, then you're not really called. That's foolishness. If you preach the gospel to your neighbors, you're called to do that. If you're, if you're in ministry as a pastor and you desire to do it, whatever it is, whatever your outlet is, I use this. I use this. I minister to people in person and as well as the Lord brings them, but, but I use this outlet to preach the gospel as well, audio and video. And there's other people out there that are doing it in sincerity. And there's other people that are out there doing it for prosperity, okay? And Paul said, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. In other words, the Lord has put this on me. Woe to me if I don't do it. 
You know, in the in the ministry life, there's all kinds of attacks. You'll have bites. You'll be bitten everywhere, all, from all around. You'll be struck, slapped upside the head. And I'm speaking metaf- metaphorically. Is that the right, is that the right word? But you know, I'm not talking about. I, I've never taken any literal blows in the ministry, not as of yet. Um, but there are people, even people that profess to be Christians that want to strike you down, shut you down, move you on, get rid of you and things like that. But you have to press on. You have to press on. And I press on because I feel the same way as the Apostle Paul is preaching about here because of the work of the Spirit of the Lord in, in me. Woe to me if I don't do this. I would bust, man. I'd rather die than, than not do what God has called me to do, to find some outlet for it in some way, shape, or form, right? He says in verse 18, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Again, earlier he said, the Lord you know, commands that those that preach the gospel should live by the gospel. But there's two sides to that. There's the side of those that have benefited from the gospel. They've benefited from whatever that preacher, that apostle in Paul's case here, that minister has done in their lives. They've benefited from that. So therefore, they should realize, you know what, we're going to help him to live because of what he does, because of the ministry and the calling that he has. We're going to help him to live, right? But then there's the other side of it. Those that preach the gospel, we don't do it. We shouldn't be doing it for money. We shouldn't be doing it for prosperity. Because then those that do that, they have their reward. That nice suit that they preach in, that nice you know, Mercedes Benz that they drive, whatever it may be, that big old house that they have, that big old building and property and everything, all of that that they have, if they're not careful, that might be their only reward if their heart's not right. And Paul's heart was right. And that's what he's preaching here. And, and, and we should see, and I'll speak to ministers of the gospel, you should look at this and see, this is how I should be. This is what my heart should be like. He says in verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Paul's saying, look, I don't really feel like I owe anybody anything. I'm not beholden to anybody, but but I've chosen to be a servant to everybody. Why? For what purpose? That he might win more. What's that mean, win more? Win people to Christ. Save souls that are lost and dying and are going to be lost for all eternity. And he says in verse 20, and to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. In other words, he was sensitive to the way they were living and to to maybe, you know, how they needed to receive the gospel message. Right? He was sensitive to that. They didn't receive him. They beat him in many cases, right? To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. You'll find that Paul did certain things in life to to keep with, you know, like, for example, getting Timothy circumcised, right? He wanted to make sure he had an open door, an inroad, because the 
because the bottom line was he had to get the gospel to people. He said, to those who are without the law as without the law. Now look at this, what he says here. He says, not being without the law toward God, but under law toward Christ. In other words, he's saying, when I'm preaching to the Gentiles, those that were without the law, I'm not going to act like a pagan. I'm not going to do wrong things and evil things. But I want to take that law of Christ, that love of Christ, and I'm going to preach the gospel to them. He says at the end of verse 21 that I might win those who are without the law. Okay, and that's what you had. You had Jews and Gentiles in in biblical times, and you know, and you know, you have those. And today we have those that are in Christ and those that are not in Christ. Okay. He said, to those who are without the laws, I'm sorry, verse 22, to the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. In other words, weak meaning there are people that are hurting, there are people that are suffering, there are people that are crying, that go through trauma in their lives, maybe the loss of a loved one and things like that. You know, I've been called upon in those situations where you go into a family of unbelievers or maybe they're of a certain religion or whatever the case may be and they've been through a tragedy and they've called me and I've showed up and I've been there with the love of Christ. And that's what Paul's saying here, you know. Whatever it takes, we've got to love. We've got to lead people to the truth because people are perishing without the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no other name given under heaven whereby one can be saved. No other name, no other way, no other church, no other religion, no other denomination. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. Okay, that is Jesus Christ. Let's continue on here. Again, we're studying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you've just come upon this. Uh, let's see, verse 23. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. So Paul had this calling. He's preaching the gospel, whatever it takes, whatever he has to do, he's preaching the gospel. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He's telling these Corinthian believers, hey, come on, stay the course. Don't get distracted. Stop this other stuff like I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. Stop this stuff. Take care of sin like we've read about here as well in this, in this book. Get sin out of your midst. Take care of this. Discipline yourself. Run the race because there's a prize at the end. The prize is eternal life, but we must stay the course. We must walk in the way of righteousness, and we must walk in the commands of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and everyone, he says, who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. What does that mean? That means you're, you're disciplined, and you have to be disciplined. You know, we live in a world where you just got to walk out there and you can see with your eyes all kinds of stuff. You can hear with your ears all kinds of junk, you can watch the news, which I don't recommend, but you can watch the news and hear and just fill your mind with all the information about the murders and the drugs and the robberies and the rapes. 
and all of that stuff that goes on in the world. But we are to be temperate. We are to be sober-minded. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We are to think on things that are good and pure and lovely, of good report, right, that are just and holy. And he says, um, he says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. In other words, he's given an analogy here about a runner, right, in a race, someone that's competing in something, right? But he says, and they're doing it to receive a crown. I'm not really talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about this. He says, but we for an imperishable crown. In other words, eternal life. Eternal life, that's what we're talking about. That's why he runs the race. That's why he preaches the gospel. That's why he does what he does. That's why he instructs these believers. And that's why we have the word of God today to be instructed as believers, instructed in righteousness, to be corrected when necessary, to be rebuked when necessary, right? He says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, in other words, he, he's not fighting for nothing here. He's got a cause. And he says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul's saying, I'm staying the course. I'm staying focused. I'm not going to fall into sin. I'm not going to go that direction. I'm not going to take that course, take that path. You know, I'm to where I become disqualified. They were questioning things about him and his qualifications and, and all of that kind of stuff in this chapter at the beginning we see. And he's defending and he's saying, this is what I stand for. This is who I am. This is what it's about. And he's telling them in so doing, he's telling them, this is what you should stand for. This is what you should be about. So that is why we have the word of God today so that we can learn we can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a way that we should be living. There is a way that we should be walking. We shouldn't be like the hypocrites. We shouldn't be hearing the forgetful hearers, right, But of the word of God, but we should be doers of the work. We should be doing things. We should be pressing on. So there are people out there that are called by God to preach the gospel and they're doing it. That's what Paul's defending here and saying, hey, these people should live by it. They should be able to live by what they do because it's the most important thing that can be done in this world. And I know many of you that may have come upon this teaching or watching this or whatever it may be, maybe it's, you know, what is it, SMH, shaking your head, right? You know, and, and saying, ah, whatever, preacher, whatever the case may be. But you need to realize the importance of your soul. You need to realize that there is an end to this life that you now live. It's a temporal body, okay? And it's gonna fade away. It's gonna fade like the grass. It's gonna be burned. It's gonna just be all gone. But there's a part of you, that living soul, that will continue on. And that's the part of you that this is all about. The preaching of the gospel is all about. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And then you'll have a newness of life. You'll have a new direction. 
a new path upon which you can walk with your eyes fixed and focus upon the Lord. You'll still continue to live everyday life. You still go to work. You'll still do what you have to do, but your focus will be completely different because you'll be changed from the inside out. You will be made new in Jesus Christ. It begins with repentance, coming to faith in Jesus Christ, being filled with his spirit, and walking in obedience to his command by the power of his spirit, which he will do in you. He will begin a work in you that he will be faithful to complete. So, we'll go ahead and stop here for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, whichever the case may be. Uh, As I always say, if you have any questions, email me, dave at aloveoutreach.com. Go to our website, aloveoutreach.com, where you can um, fill out uh, the contact form there. If you have any questions in regards to your spiritual growth, you know, questions about the Lord, anything that we can help you with, we would love to do so. And uh, goodbye for now. God bless. We'll see you next time.